Welcome to the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. Thought-provoking interviews with interesting guests and commentary on everything. Food, sports, God, gardening, church, politics, music, movies, comedy, you name it, we talk about it. I'm Cody Stopper. And this is Craig Morton. On this podcast, we talk to writers, teachers, activists, and we seek some wisdom. And as always, we are allergic to big words, but not to big ideas. Profound things will be said, but entirely by accident. There it is. And there you are. Hello. Hey, how's, Bat- how's Batman doing? Bat Minister. Bat, doing... Bat Minister, is that what you called it? Or... <laughs> Just as a joke. I'm doing all right. I Did Did you know I, I preached on Sunday in my Batman costume? Well, I you you had mentioned that last week, that you preached in your Batman costume. Yep. And uh, yeah, I, I, I did now... There's elements to it that, that to me like would be super curious. One is you get up and you do the whole uh, kind of Batman bit, or which would, would seem to you know just the services around superheroes or around Batman, or the the sermon is from a Batman point of view or whatever. Yeah. The other part that would be I think even at least for me would be even more odd and uncomfortable but fascinating is to compare completely not at all recognize the fact that you're dressed as batman right pretend as if it's nothing there yeah i thought about that no we embraced it fully though like our post loop music was a spin on the uh old batman uh tv show theme song it was a it did the congregation go batman well, we're still completely online, so. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know what they did in there. Well, that's right, because you're doing you're doing Facebook. We we do yeah. Zoom, and so we yeah, yeah we have our mics open at times. So. But we've had some issues last two Sundays, not necessarily with Facebook, with our internet provider, and it uh, it it hurt us, uh, and pretty bad. But we're gonna figure it out this week. All right. So so what we're we have what to pre-record. What was the um, outcome of the um, of your of your um, your sermon? I mean, of your presentation, your the whole thing. Well, so basically, the theme, you know, so we were in the lectionary. So the text that I used was from Deuteronomy, and I was talking about uh, how disappointment can, you know, we can allow disappointment or disappointment can be kind of like a uh, a block to generosity and you know a life of gratitude and uh, service and uh, so the Deuteronomy text is Moses leading the people to the promised land and then not getting to go into the promised land and knowing in advance he wasn't going to get to go into the promised land so already disappointed you know not but still fulfilling his leadership, you know, getting them there, even though he knew he wasn't going to get there. So did did you put on a Batman voice 
kind of no like... i thought about it okay because batman yeah, always just... sounds like he is in a little bit of pain <laughs> yes uh and he's about ready to lash out but he's just keeping a lid on it right uh recently i heard somebody compare it to like they were trying to describe how the spartans spoke because they were famous for their in fact uh laconic the word laconic right and and obviously also spartan but laconic comes from they were also in addition to be called spartans they were laconians and their form of speaking influenced or became that like figure that they say that's laconic or very spartan but biting speech you know so uh so somebody who said imagine clint eastwood crossed with batman and that's that's laconic interesting that's what they probably said hey i wherever you are now that's that echoey spot you were last time okay are you sure it's my location or is it it could be my headset too Oh, well, you're in the bathroom. That was part of it. We didn't. Yeah. Okay. Wait a second. Now we didn't hear the toilet flush and we didn't no, hear. I was just trying to find a small room. Wash your hands. <laughs> I was trying to find a room. I could shut the door and, you know, anyway. Yes. So no, I didn't try to talk like Batman, but uh, yeah, that's what we talked about. Disappointment. And so how Batman worked into it is, right, obviously he had a disappointing thing happen in his life that shaped the rest of his life. And yet at a certain moment, he had to no longer let necessarily just the disappointment drive him, but also he becomes, if you kind of know Batman in, his, in the broader canon, he has a family that right. for however it comes about, he becomes basically like the father figure for, you know, Robin and, and a Batgirl and, and, uh, you know, he's got uh, Alfred, like the grandfather figure, you know, so he's got this family. And initially, a lot of times he has a struggle where it's like, he doesn't want to be attached to anybody because he knows it can lead to hurt, right? He knows from his own experience. And then also, well, no, setting aside that and becoming fully embracing of a connection and community so. so that idea of community could be a really interesting thing to go off uh on with batman i i for for a while i didn't keep up with it but i was watching the fox uh show gotham yeah which mm -hmm. was all i haven't kept up with it either but i mean the, the mo most interesting aspect were the backstories of these characters and yep. finding out where the Joker comes or the Riddler comes from, finding out where Penguin comes from, finding out these different characters and uh, and the Batman back backstory. Mm -hmm. And uh, the one thing that the, the show did well, and it's part of the, the darkness, I think, of the, the dark night. And yeah. it, it's it is all these broken people. Right. Um, forming community that doesn't it's impermanent. There's connections, they, they come together and then they fall apart. Um, and there's That's interesting right. themes that, that I remember from that show, it's been years, but Alfred, the character Alfred was this uh, character who continued to come back, no, basically no matter how bad Wayne was. That's right. Uh, always trying to find ways to reach out and fulfill that promise or that oath to, to be there for him. That's right. Whew. Yeah. Good, wise. Yeah. Some cool stuff. Yep.
Good stuff. Well, speaking of cool yeah. shows, uh, I was going to yes. tell you that, the show that I watched on Apple TV. Okay. So <clears throat> Apple TV has a deal where uh, you get to try it for one week for free. Should okay. be one month, but one week was, was good to get us going. And actually, there's some pretty decent things on there. Terrible interface. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, uh, it's just a, a, a rolling list of shows to watch. Ooh, yeah. You know, like, oh, I want to put that in my save list or something like that, or watch later. Well, I couldn't find my watch later list. Oh, jeez. Like, wait, did I, did I, I thought I saved that. Maybe I didn't. Maybe that's uh, part of a paid membership. Yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> but scrolling through it, you know, found some shows and um, the one that, that, um, well, there were a few. What like last week uh, we watched uh, Greyhound, I think it was, huh. which is a Tom Hanks movie about being to uh, captain uh, in the Battle of the Atlantic. Sarah's joining Hello. us. Hey, Sarah. Hello. Hey, we're just talking about TV. <laughs> I love TV. <laughs> so I was just getting ready to talk about one of my favorite shows that I. Well, it's it's up there. I'm going to have to watch it again. It's one of those series that it's like, well, there was a lot there. I think we're going to go have have to go back and and watch it again. But um, the show, this show, was about it was about forming community. It was about second chances. It was about kind of unflappable optimism that seemed almost hokey, like way too much. When it comes up to the when it, when they create challenges, you go wait. That optimism actually gets through to the other side, and um, I thought, wow, that's a. I would love to have that as a like a church movie night kind of a thing. To, but it's also so many uh, words that are inappropriate for you know most audiences. That's the only that was the only drawback. But but the the TV show is uh, Ted Lasso. And it's about a football coach from, which was funny, Wichita State University, which doesn't have a football program. Uh, and uh, so he goes to London to coach a Premier League soccer team. Oh. And the soccer team is owned by a couple who have now had a divorce. And the way that the uh, woman from the marriage is trying to get back at her husband who cheated on her is to destroy the team. Yes, I love this show already. I'm so into drama. <laughs> so part of her plot to destroy the team was to bring on a new coach who knows nothing about soccer. So Ted Lasso shows up. He knows absolutely nothing about soccer. Um, and he's incredibly optimistic, hopeful. And what was interesting as a coach, I found it really, really uh, easy to embrace because there are times I do not know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but if I can encourage somebody to be a better human being, uh, then I feel like I've really done the most important job of coaching. Mm -hmm. And that's the emphasis he, he puts on his coaching is to take these uh, take this team that's, you know, got frayed edges and some people are trying to be the superstar and you know being selfish with their play yet trying to find a way to pull people together to function kind of at that that um the emotional level of team 
more than here are the right drills to do. Here's the plays to set up. And in fact, right. to set up the appropriate plays and to get the offense going and to make things actually make sense, he gets the guy who is the water boy, who's been uh, watching and enjoying soccer his entire life, but he's not an athlete and has him drop a number of plays and brings him into coaching and, um, and, and works at helping this uh, individual become respected and appreciated by the team. And it's just so much about building bridges, uh, about forgiveness. Uh, it was just, I love it, it is was, it on, what wow. is it on? It's, what? On, it's on Apple TV. Oh, oh. I that. It's free for one week. So we, we <laughs> it, we watched it, we got it done. Ninja. It's like, uh, I think it's 10 episodes. Um, oh. But uh, it's Jason Sudeikis is the, is the coach. Okay. Oh, yeah. and, and I do like the characters he tends to play because they tend to be uh, a kind of warm and endearing. And I it's don't just, know who that is. He's on just Saturday Night Live. Okay. Uh, he was in, um, oh, what's the movie? Hangover, wasn't he? Oh, I love that movie. Let's see. Looking at it, uh, We're the Millers. Do you remember the, that, that one about the, I think it was the RV trip? Let's see. Hmm. Uh, if you let's see if we can find a, I'm gonna find a picture. I think if you saw him, you'd know. I'm sure is. I would. Yeah. All right, hang on. I'm gonna wait. He's actually in the Mandalorian. Didn't watch that one. He has, he has a film credit for the Mandalorian, which is surprising. Uh, let's see. Uh, there, uh, there's a lot of glare there. Um, uh, doing a screen share. Huh. Oh, I, no, I, I could. I was looking it up on my phone. How do you how, how do you spell his last name? I'm looking at it on my phone. S-U-D-E-I-K-I-S. He was in, um, wasn't he in, uh, was it the movie about Jackie Robinson, 42, as one of the, and it was like a. Okay, yeah, I do know him. Oh, you know him? Yes, he's my best Whoa. friend, actually. I just forgot, <laughs> yeah. for a so, forgot his name. So so I wouldn't be surprised because last time we talked, you were hanging out with uh, David Byrne. Oh, yeah. BFF, my uh, other BFF. The other BFF, yeah. So by the way, Sarah, we're recording. Um, yeah, we are. <laughs> You're, up. Oh, we are. You're so, on. Woo! <laughs> um, and so one of the things we're trying to embrace this year with our with our podcast is the complete non-edit version where we just jump in instead of having grilling interviews and penetrating analysis, we just gonna have a conversation with interesting people. And you are just one of those interesting people. Well, thank you. <laughs> so yes, we're recording. I like your approach. I like your style. Well, it, it last time we were on uh, with you, there was another show you were talking in, about. We talked about that you really loved. What was it that we thought that maybe it might have been a reality show? Ninety Day Fiance. Maybe. The Bachelorette. It, it might have been the Bachelorette. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So hey, you've been keeping up on those. I just want to let y'all know that they moved this season from Mondays to Tuesdays, so I had to clear my Tuesday schedule. And today <laughs> is the day. It is literally on my calendar. Every Tuesday, my sister and I get together and we watch The Bachelor. Well, yeah, it's The Bachelor at this time. So um, <laughs> it is. Um, it's one of those shows that is so 
cringy that you just can't <laughs> stop. And I've been watching it now for, I mean, over a decade, over 10 years, I've watched this show religiously. And I just, it never gets old. It never gets old. Because <laughs> the characters are always fresh. Always fresh and always crazy. Like me, maybe that's why I like it. So, so, uh, so Sarah, we'll kind of introduce you a little bit and let you introduce yourself, but Sarah uh, Jackson is a, uh, oh, a, I, would, I would put you in the category, I like this category, I think I've made it up or maybe I read it somewhere, social uh, justice entrepreneur. I like it. Um, SJE. And my my initial my initials are S E J. Oh, oh, that's right. Ah. So, oh, something is there. Something is Social, there. socially um, entrepreneurial justice sir. Justice. <laughs> justice <laughs> yeah. justice that has a much better justice reason. Sir. Justice sir. Justice sir. <laughs> um, um, there you go. Oh, wow. I think we, I think you got something to play around I with got that. It. I'm going to get that tattooed yeah. today. And so and so you've been you've been working with you've you've developed Casa, Casa de Paz. Uh, you've developed this um, home for people who need temporary, kind of temporary or long termish temporary housing. And we described it a little bit more, and you described it a little bit more last time. But now the the message that you uh, have to share you've been able to put into a documentary and and a book so in a nutshell what is casa de paz and then what's the message of the documentary and the the book what's 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 what are you telling people yeah casa de paz is i like how you described it a short-term long-term <laughs> temporary <laughs> temporary long-term <laughs> place um that provides not only shelter and the basic necessities of life, right? Like food and that kind of stuff, but really the, the, um, the, I, what is the word that I'm looking for? The, I, I'm totally blanking on it. It's, we, we, we're standing alongside the immigrant community. Okay. We're not necessarily helping Right. I mean, although, yes, we have the shelter that we're providing for folks who have been released from the ICE immigrant detention centers and their families. Um, but it's more a message of solidarity that we see the immigrant community. We love them. We want them to be here and they're welcome here. And the way that we do that is three programs. Um, the first, like you mentioned, is our home, our hospitality home, which we offer shelter to immigrants who've been released from the ICE detention center. So these could be asylum seekers that have just recently come to the United States and be um, and were detained by ICE and then put into a detention center while they're waiting their day in court. And then if their immigration judge says, yes, you've won your case, you can be released, or maybe they give them a bond and the immigrant pays the bond and they're released, uh, our community comes alongside folks and helps them transition from the detention center to their final destination, wherever that is. They may have family in another state or sponsors that live across town. So we're there to just stand alongside them as they make that transition. So um, do, you, do, you help, do you help facilitate those connections or do they already have those connections and you just kind of 
give them a place to put those pieces together? Most everybody who's released from an ICE, the ICE detention center has somebody in the United okay. States that they're headed to. Um, now that doesn't mean every single person has, but um, you know, not every single person has a family member or a friend or a sponsor in the United States. And so um, we do have a small community of folks in the Denver area that have been released from the detention center and they've won their asylum and Denver was the city that they just happened to get transferred to in the case of their immigration proceedings. And this is where they won and were released and it's their new home. And they'd never been to Denver, never been to Colorado, didn't even know where Colorado was. And then boom, this is your new home. And so we do have a small community, but a very tight community of folks that have experienced the same thing in life and can, um, can just, be together and um, and know one another and support one another. Uh, but yeah, most people do have, for example, yesterday, a couple of folks were released from the detention center. Um, one woman had a sponsor that she was headed to in Philadelphia. And then the other gentleman had a family here in the Denver area. And so for the, the guy who had family in the Denver area, we just drove him to his home uh, and dropped him off. And he was home with his family within 30 minutes of him being released. And then the other lady needed a bit of um, help uh, getting a plane ticket and then getting to the airport and then going through security and getting to her gate. So we made sure that all of that happened. And so this morning when, when I woke up, both of those folks were right um, where they belong at home with their families, uh, safe and sound. And, um, and so every day is a little bit different as far as the individual person and, and the, um, the way that they may need a little extra support. But at the end of the day, the goal is the same, just get them home. Yeah, right. Uh, you, and then for uh, folks, oh, oh sorry. sorry. Uh, I was just going to uh, mention quickly the, the home, the, the second program that we have is our home uh, for families who are coming in from out of town to visit their loved ones who are detained. Okay. So, let's say you're living in Texas with your family um, and you've got a wife and four kids and you are arrested by ICE because you're undocumented. So they take you into custody, they put you into a detention center in Texas. And then one morning you hear a knock on your door and then it's the guard telling you to pack up your stuff, you're, you're leaving and you don't know where you're going. You don't know if you're being released, if you're being deported, if you're being transferred, uh, but, but ultimately you're being transferred over here to Colorado. So they transfer you from one detention center to the next, which further separates you from your family. And so when families wanna come visit you in Colorado, they have a safe place to stay while they're in town. And it's totally free. Uh, kind of like the Ronald McDonald home, but for families separated by detention. Um, so when families come, uh, they can stay in our home. We have food, we have toiletries, clothing, Wi-Fi, computers, whatever it is that they need. Um, and then our third program has been a little bit uh, wonky these past few months because of COVID. But before COVID, we had a thriving visitation program where we were sending, you know, 100 volunteers every week to the detention center just wow. to spend time with people who were detained. Yeah, it was, I mean, a few years ago, we maybe had three or four people visiting a week. And now we actually have groups, small groups of folks that go together to the detention center and, and spend time with you know, people who don't have anyone to go visit them. Maybe it's because they don't have family or friends in the area, or 
maybe they do have family and friends, but they're undocumented. And so if you do have family living here in Denver that want to come visit you in the detention center, that's all fine and dandy, but they can't because they don't have papers to, to go inside the detention center. So we have our volunteers just go and, and again, we're not legal support. We're not social workers. We're nothing like that. We're just a person acknowledging the humanity and the person that's sitting across from us, you know, between that, that glass window, it's all non-contact visits, you know, through a glass window and a phone. Uh, but we've, we've shifted our visitation program because ICE has temporarily suspended all in-person visits. Um, and that makes a lot of sense because, I mean, currently right now at the detention center, there's an outbreak of COVID and there are over a hundred people who are infected and over 20 staff people have been infected since COVID. So it's uh, pretty dangerous to be inside a detention center or a prison right now, obviously. So ICE has uh, shut off all of the in-person visits. And so instead of kind of throwing our hands up in the air and saying, well, we can't go in anymore, our volunteer team thought really quickly and creatively on their feet. And now we have a pen pal program. So folks are writing to detained immigrants. Um, and then we also have folks that are doing phone calls or video calls if that detention center allows it. So we actually have expanded our visitation slash pen pal program because now we're writing to immigrants that are in, I think, 12 different detention centers all across the country now. So those wow. are the three things that we do to stand alongside our friends who are suffering because of the United States's immigration policies. Right. Um, it's not, it's not earth shattering, right? It's very simple things, but, but, um, but, but it matters. It matters to our friends in detention. It matters to us for us to be able to know that we are connected to, um, complete strangers. And that's sort of the, the message of the documentary and of the book that, that I just wrote, which is, and, and the, the name of the documentary I love, it's called Welcome Strangers. And that's exactly what our message is, is welcoming strangers uh, that we don't know. They don't know us, we don't know them, um, but, but, but we see them and we know that they are worthy of God's love, of God, you know, they're made in the image of God, just like we are. Right. So why don't they deserve the same goodness and the same kind of justness and, and mercy and compassion and kindness that we all deserve? Yeah. So um, that's hopefully what comes across in the documentary and in the book. Now, the documentary, it's still getting shown around to different festivals. And because I was trying to figure out, is there a way to find it, to stream it online, to watch it? And it seems like it's as it's making the festival circuit, it's not really easily you know uh, it's, it's not easy to find it's not easy to get and then after the festival circuit then is it somehow another level of release how's that work yeah yeah so i am actually totally new to the film world and i'm learning a lot but the way that the distribution process works typically with these films are that if the first round is it goes through the film festivals. So it's actually, if anyone is listening and they're in the Denver area, it's going to be at the Denver Film Festival and you can actually buy a ticket to watch it if you're here in the Denver metro area. Um, and then, you know, it's it's touring across the world, actually. It's an, inter, an inter, international film festivals as well. And then after the film festival circuit, then it'll be open for um, 
community screening. So if you have a church or a, a, a school or a community group or just a group of friends and you want to do a screening, then it will be available for you to set up a screening. And then eventually the third step would be to hopefully find a place to have it easily accessible. I mean, you know, obviously there's YouTube, but it would be kind of cool to have it on something like Netflix or Hulu or Apple TV. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now when you go to these, do you go to the festivals yourself? Do you, do you travel with the documentary or do you just kind of like send it in a can and let somebody else do the... The very first film festival that we premiered at was the only one that I've been able to go to because after that is when COVID started oh, shutting everything right. down. Yeah. Okay. So thanks for bringing that up, Craig, because <laughs> it's I thought I remembered you traveling at some point, but it's like, it was that long ago. Oh, I know that was COVID. back in February and that I can years tell ago. you. I know it was can we even remember back to February but oh. it was actually kind of interesting because I was so excited to try I love traveling love 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 traveling so I was like this is the best of both worlds I get to travel and I get to share the story of Casa de Paz right through the book tour and the film film tour I even went to my to my doctor because I have pretty bad anxiety when I fly and she gave me these like pills like anti-anxiety pills so that I would feel comfortable flying all across the country I was getting ready I had my my medication to calm me down and then boom God's like actually you are not going anywhere no. <laughs> so don't you love how life works out I'm my, like, I'm, I'm proud of myself for the first time like asking for help for my anxiety and then God's like no you know I, I still have the pill <laughs> I'm so, glad you took that step but I'll find you something else to be anxious about. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Let's channel that energy, anxious energy somewhere else now. Well, so now, so since you don't get to travel with the film, do you like have like, a, I mean, I, what I envision now is that you have like some fancy backdrop that says some film festival. You have a red carpet that you get to walk down and maybe a fancy dress that you can stop and pose in front of. Yes, that is exactly, exactly yep. how yep. it is. Um, yeah, the the Emmys actually, they, they sent me the red carpet that they use for the award show. So I actually have that here in my apartment. Um, and yeah, my gowns, I change. It's a different gown every film festival. And those are typically, you know, anywhere between the range of Twenty to thirty thousand dollar gowns. Um, so you're not going to drop any names of some fancy designers or anything like that, you know? Well, you know um, me and my fashion worlds. Yeah, so I, you know. I can't. I can't go there because I don't want to hurt another fashion designer's feelings. True, true. I think yeah. Most of the fashion I've seen you in has something to do with playing volleyball. Yes, volleyball. I know. Um, that is so true. Actually, I see your shirt is under armor and I immediately oh, yeah. connected to it. I'm like, that's what I wear when I play volleyball. <laughs> so so last time we talked, one of the things we did talk about volleyball, because the volleyball league was one of those ways that you were able to develop to, to have some kind of local fundraising for Casa de Paz. Well, I'm guessing that kind of fundraising isn't available. At least for volleyball which leads me to two things one is how are you handling life without sports uh or, and have you found other uh avenues 
for bringing um, donations, income into Casa de Paz? Well, at the, you know, for the first a few months, we did shut down playing volleyball. Um, and then as the restrictions sort of opened up here in Denver, we found a way to do it in a safer oh, okay. manner. So we, well, yeah, there is that net that kind of keeps you safe from the other team. Right. That net that's really uh, very uh, in, in, impenetrable. I don't know how to say that word, but our, our players um, are wearing masks. We have temperature checks at the door. Um, we have shortened game time so that in between game times, there's time to disinfect all the balls and all the surfaces. Um, and then we've also rented out more court space so that there's more space between the players. So we're trying to do it in a safe way. Um, and uh, we, yeah, so we just started up again a couple months ago and it seems to be going really well. But in the, um, in the immediate time where the volleyball was not going on, um, I actually had to tell people stop donating to CASA um, because when COVID first started hitting, it seemed like everybody and their mother wanted to donate to us, which was amazing because we felt that support, right? And there were a few mass releases here in the Denver area from the detention center that we needed to prepare for. But then it got to the point where it was like, uh-oh, we're, we're actually at a place where we can keep paying our bills and we look down the street to our other fellow nonprofits that are about to close their doors mm. because they they have uh, no way to to keep paying all of their staff or whatever the case may be right so we actually encouraged folks to redirect their donations to a nonprofit or a small business or a community organization that was closer to having to close their doors than we were uh, which was a leap of faith because you, you know, never in a million years would I have thought that I would send out an email to thousands of people saying, stop giving us money. Um, <laughs> but, but we did and, um, and we're still okay. And we're still, people are still donating. It was funny. Some of our donors were like, um, no, we're still going to give you money. Um, but uh, it, it's just sort of one of those things. I, I was actually talking yesterday about this concept of do I believe in a God of scarcity or do I believe in a God of abundance? And I really want to be the kind of person that believes in a God of abundance, even when it's scary to believe right. that. And, right. and it just felt like down in my soul that it was the right thing to do. And so, so far my intuition hasn't let me down. So I followed it and I'm glad that I did because seven, eight months later, or how, what, how many months has it been? Gosh, I can't even, 15 years later, <laughs> like, I, don't know. I think we've had seven months that are about 50 days long each. Okay. So sure. then you oh, that's that. Yeah, that's two centuries. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, uh, we were still able to do everything it is that we need to do, pay our bills. We yesterday were able to buy that plane ticket for the lady who was released from the detention center. Her sponsor that's actually taking her in um, said, hey, I, I don't have the money for a plane ticket right now. And it's going to take me a couple of days to, to ask some friends if they can each give 20 bucks. And I you know that the, the last thing we want to do when somebody's been released from this detention center is tell them, oh, you've got to wait a couple more days until somebody can get a couple hundred dollars for your plane ticket. So we were able to buy that ticket and, and then she didn't have to wait until to get to get home. She was there the same day. Nice. So well, actually the next day because she had a layover and but she got there in the morning <laughs> as far as so you're talking about the the financial health um 
who do you have or how what is your staff set up like who's who's paid staff there at casa so we actually don't have any staff still we're all volunteers however i will say this this is kind of cool um well it's cool and then not cool um for the past eight years we've all been volunteers nobody's right. gotten paid for any of the work that we're doing um and in april or may it's kind of a blur i think it was may or june i can't remember um the job that I had been working for the past 11 years, uh, we were merged with a company and that company laid off the part-time workers. And I was part-time because I needed the additional time to run CASA and the volleyball league. So I got laid off in the middle of a pandemic, yeah, going through a breakup too. So now <laughs> I know I can survive a pandemic, a breakup and a layoff. Now, all, all in one. You still had that anxiety medication for the flight. <laughs> I didn't use it. Yay. <laughs> See, I knew it. God was probably like, Sarah, you've got that medicine. And I never even thought about it. <sighs> um, but yeah, I was, I was laid off and it was hurtful because, you know, I've been with that company for so long, but I also understood that they needed to streamline their processes and part-time people, it just wasn't happening anymore. So um, I, um, I was sad. And then a couple days later, I got a call from the Lutheran immigrant and refugee services, and they've been supporters of the CASA for many years, six or seven years, at least. And they have supported us financially every year as well for our visitation program. And they called me, my contact over there, Basel called me and he said, Hey, Sarah, um, as you know, LIRS has supported Casa de Paz these past several years. And then I'm thinking in my head, oh, great, here it is. He's about to tell yeah. me. On the money. The funding is dried up. You right. know? He said, but what we're actually going to do this year, instead of choosing 20 nonprofits and giving small grants to, we're actually going to go a little bit deeper and we're only going to choose six or seven nonprofits. And we're going to basically triple the amount of money that we've given in the past. Uh, and we chose Casa de Paz to be one of those. And so you're going to get a check in the mail for X amount. Oh, and by the way, the only other requirement here is that you use that money on a staff stipend, mm -hmm. which they've never given us that requirement before. And he didn't know I was laid off. So I am thankful that I was laid off because I think it was God's way of saying, hey, Sarah, you really need to be able to focus full time on the CASA and and um, spend your energy and your resources there. And you're going to be OK no matter what. Wow. So that's that's a that's a interesting thing to say that I'm thankful for that being for being laid off, but it is what it oh, is. I, I, I understand. I was laid off once and it was one of the best things that happened. In fact, I was praying to be laid off. You were? <laughs> Should I be asking to get laid off? What, what am I missing out? What am I missing out right, on? Yeah, if, you, if it hasn't happened, it can be a liberating experience. I have a question, Sarah, about uh, you mentioned earlier that um, you were prepping for a mass release from some, um, some of the institutions there in the area. And I'm thinking, okay, this is right in the middle of a, this pandemic going on. How has the pandemic shaped how you do your process of accepting people, keeping them together, housing them, like do you, have you had to institute some limits or anything like that because of the situation? 
Yep, we've we've revamped pretty much all of our processes. Uh, it took eight years to build, um, which was uh. so much fun. Uh, <laughs> and we, yeah, we've implemented things. Um, you know, we have fewer volunteers showing up at the detention center so that we have physical distancing in place. Um, and one of the things too that we've implemented is this purchasing of the same day plane ticket and bus tickets for all of the guests that we see at the CASA so that we are no longer having overnight guests any longer right now because it's just really dangerous, right? To have multiple people in contact in close quarters um, all kind of squished together. So uh, in the off chance that we can't find a same day plane ticket or bus ticket for someone, then we actually have um, hotels that we put people up in for maybe one or two nights. But we also understand that's not the most, you know, hospitable, hospitable way to treat someone is, is a hotel. So we're developing what we're calling Las Casitas, which is a program, which means the little homes. Yeah. And Las Casitas is actually a, an opportunity for community members to open up their home for one guest for maybe one or two nights and uh, provide that hospitality as a transition from the back door of the prison to the front door of their final destination. Uh, and we've actually organically over the past eight years had over 20 volunteers do this, just hosted somebody for a few days. Uh, maybe there were, we were at capacity at the CASA or, or something like that. And every single person that has opened up their home said they would do it again in a heartbeat. Oh. Um, and then the other thing that we did as well is, so you know, when you're in a prison right now during the pandemic, you are three times more likely to contract COVID than if you were not in a prison, which makes sense because you're, again, close to people, physical distancing measures are not happening in a prison. So, um, and, and like I said, there's an outbreak, right? And the third outbreak at this detention center. And so what was happening pre-COVID is somebody would be released from the detention center and then they would actually have to go back inside the lobby and wait for a volunteer to come pick them up. And they could be waiting for 30 minutes, but they also might be waiting for a few hours until somebody was available to go pick them up. And because of COVID, we realized, oh my gosh, like that is absolutely not the best experience for somebody to be released and they have to go back inside that prison. So we bought a van we are calling it Casa on Wheels, and we park it right outside the streets of the gate of where people are being released from. We've converted the van to be like a little bit of a waiting room area, kind of like a living room. So there's benches and there's shelves and there's chairs. I mean, just more comfortable. So, and then we have volunteers at that van throughout the week. And as soon as somebody is released from the detention center, we're there to greet them, to welcome them. And then from the van, we, you know, we, we hang out in the van for however long it is until we figure out what are your next steps. So that guy yesterday, he, he hung out in the van until we were able to make contact with his family in Denver and then make plans to drop him off. And then the other lady, she stayed in the van and then a volunteer picked her up from the van and took her to the CASA. And then another volunteer picked her up from the CASA, took her to the airport. So that's just kind of, I like to say back to the sports analogy, it's just us kind of stepping up our game, our hospitality game. Um, and the pandemic is what helped us see that gap and fill that gap. That's that's great. Just the phrase there. That's how the the pandemic helped us. Uh, that's a, a rare phrase. 
Yeah. But that's, yeah. Um, the, um, the, I really enjoy your Instagram stories. Um, those are, those are good. And I can't remember it was a month ago or maybe several weeks ago, you had a really positive encounter out in the van with a stranger. Okay. I can't remember the story, but it seems like having the van out in, out in the community, draw, develop some conversation and some other levels of uh, interaction. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because the original concept behind Casa on Wheels was to be a, uh, a, a, a landing place for immigrants released from the detention center, but we're there in front of the gates throughout the week and people, we're actually, it's right in front of a, we park it right next to an emissions testing place. So there's cars that go in and out all the time. And, and so people have stopped by and they've just asked like, what are you doing over here? You know, are you, one person thought we were selling tacos and then that, that got my mind thinking, Oh, another revenue stream. Maybe what we a should. a great idea. <laughs> um, but we also have had, um, somebody stopped by who had previously been detained at the detention center a few years ago. And he was curious what Casa de Paz was because he saw our, our banner on the van. And he said, when, when he found out what we were doing, he said, how can I help? I want to do this. I want to be part of this because I know how it feels to be released and not have anywhere to go. So, um, and then, you know, we have guards from the detention center stop by to check it out. And so that they can spread the word inside of the detention center. If they're releasing somebody and that person says, I don't know where to go. I, I my family lives in Wisconsin or I've never been to Colorado. How do I get to the airport? They'll say, don't worry about it. Just walk out the gates. You'll see the van. They'll help you. So, um, yeah, I think the taco one though definitely got me got yeah, me. There's a revenue stream. <laughs> I know, right? Awesome. <laughs> what an advantage it gives you. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I was trying to think uh, I was looking up the Spanish uh, name for wheels, Casa yeah. de I don't oh. even know the word. Ru ruedas. Ruedas. Oh, ruedas, yeah. Yeah. That doesn't it doesn't roll off the tongue quite as easily. Yeah, it doesn't. No. <laughs> but good A for effort. There you go. So so that's the one what other thing I mentioned, and I want to make sure we cover it in this this interview, is I really enjoy your Instagram stories. So I recommend everybody look look up Sarah on, on Instagram. We'll have a link in the in the podcast notes. Uh, but your Instagram stories, you also have uh, incredible profound wisdom that you shared that comes from somebody named Gabby. <laughs> She's the wisest person I know. So tell me about Gabby. Gabby is my three-year-old niece and is the center of my world. And she, you know, people, people, I was actually thinking about this yesterday. Um, and I'm sorry if this is a little kooky, but I was thinking <laughs> like, you know, we've got God. And we're created in the image of God. And the most pure, the purest that you can get to, to being as close to God as possible, I think, is when you're first born. Right. It's before you're, you've got all this, quote unquote, experience in the world, right? And so I truly believe Gabby is the most connected to God of anyone in our family because she has she's closer to that direct source right and she she will just say the most silly but profound things like for example a couple weeks ago 
I was trying to be all deep, you know, and talk to her about the golden rule um, because, oh, we were talking about wearing a mask and how she was asking, why do we have to wear masks? And, you know, telling her to treat other people the way you want to be treated and we don't want to get sick. So we wear a mask and we don't want others to get sick. And so, you know, I go through this whole thing about the golden rule and, uh, and then she looks at me and she goes, yeah, like recycle and don't mix trash with recycling. Just, just put the recycle in the recycling. And I was like, yes, exactly. You know, it's just very simple. You don't mix, mix the trash with recycling. I mean, she, like in her mind, she thought like the way to be kind was to not mix trash with recycling. And right. she just thought so clearly, you know, um, but, but actually because of the pandemic, we've also with Gabby instituted a, a slumber party day where she'll come over and we'll have, you know, dinner and we'll watch a movie. And then we, we have a slumber party. And then in the morning we get ready, we go to the park. And I think some of the, the best moments come from, you know, yes, we have the things that we need. We have the food, we have the shelter, we have blankets to keep us warm. Um, but some of the best moments are just sitting by Gabby and listening to her sing or listening to her just babble on, you know, at the end of the night or, um, the other day, my sister was over and she, she, her eye got hurt and Anna started tearing up my sister because her eye was hurt and Gabby ran over to Anna and did, I couldn't fix anything right? She's not a doctor. She couldn't hurt, help Anna's eyes, but she ran over to Anna and she just put her hand on Anna's leg, on her mom's leg. And she just sat there and I could tell that she was sad. And I said, Gabby, why are you sad? Um, and she looked up at her mom and she said, because mama's sad, you know, and she felt that empathy as a three-year-old where she saw her mom was hurting. She knew she couldn't really do anything to fix it, but she just went to be close to her and to let her know, I see that you're hurting and I'm here, you know, like we go to years of therapy to learn that kind of response to someone, right? Like, yeah. and here she is a three-year-old with such, such wisdom. I, 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 I enjoy, I enjoy the things with Gabby. Just um, one is like, sometimes we, I, you know, we can think of people who are involved in these really exciting projects and they have, you know, whether it's Casa de Paz or it's, you know, some other endeavor that's, you know, making a really meaningful impact. And we kind of, it's easy to think of these people as one dimensional, you know, they're just this, you know, director, executive leader, you know, changing the culture and all that kind of stuff. And it's great to see you with Gabby because it also brings out a wider sense of who you are and, and, I'm guessing that Gabby's also learning things about hospitality that she would not have learned in any other setting and her world's getting big too. Yeah. It's kind of fun to see. So. Yeah. I'll show her my book because she, she just gets a kick out of it because like I'm on the back cover of it. Right. And, and I'll show her this book and I'll say, what's this book about? And she'll say, Casa de Paz. <laughs> she already knows. Casa de Paz. She'll be she'll be uh, your main spokesperson once she gets on yeah. uh, her own social media account. Yeah, oh, yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, Craig was talking about people being uh, one dimensional, and then it made me think about actually your discussion about the guards at the uh, the place um, where they're housing immigrants. Um, 
have you had in your encounters or experiences with either guards or maybe even like ICE agents or anything like that, like a whole new revelation into who they are? And has have there been any who have been like, you know, I kind of hate what I'm doing. Uh, can you help me with it? You know, are, any discussions like that? All the time. I mean, all the time. When I when I started the Casa eight years ago, I never thought that I would have a moment where. I saw kindness or compassion from somebody who worked at a detention center. And I see it way more than I ever, ever imagined could have happened. Yeah. Uh, actually last, last winter, you know, we just had our first big snowstorm here in Colorado. And I remember last year, one of the ladies that was released from the, from the detention center and was picked up by a volunteer arrived at our home and she had this basically brand new ski jacket, like brand new. You could tell it had never been worn before. Um, and, and I was a little bit surprised because after hearing her story, I realized she was an asylum seeker from Central America and had come to the United States in the summertime where she lawfully presented herself at the border asking for asylum and then was taken into custody by ICE and detained for several months until she was released in the middle of the winter time here in Colorado. And I started wondering, I'm like, I don't think an asylum seeker from Central America had a ski coat in the middle of summer as they crossed the border. You know, where did she get this? So I asked her, I said, where did you get your coat? You know, I was thinking, oh, maybe a volunteer gave it to her or maybe somehow she already found our coat closet and picked out a coat really quickly. I, 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 but I wasn't sure. And she said, oh, the lady at the detention center gave it to me. And I, I was like, like the volunteer. And I pointed to the volunteer who picked her up. I said, oh, she gave it to you. And she said, no, 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 no. The lady who released me. And I said, oh, the guard, the guard who works at the detention center gave you her coat. And she said, yeah. She said, I was about to walk out the door and the guard noticed that I didn't have a coat. And she did have a coat and she gave me her coat. And she said, here, I don't want you to be cold when you walk outside. And, you know, it's moments like that where you're, huh, they're hard moments because you don't want to believe in the goodness of everyone. You know what I mean? It's like, you want to be able to say, this is right and this is wrong. But then you have those moments where you're like, what? Yeah. Guard who works at a detention center was nice. Like, yeah, we want to have these ideas, these polarities and blacks and whites where, yeah, it's a horrible policy. Therefore, anybody who carries out the horrible policy, they're on the bad side. And then somebody crosses over with a simple act of kindness. Right. And yeah. And that happens a lot. Complex. Yep. That's great. That's, that's awesome. That, that's good that it's that complex. Um, yeah. I mean, some, so many of the issues that were that there's so many political issues of policy that create serious challenges for all the people you work with or work for. Um, but you also mentioned you have this idea of a God of abundance that, that if you've got a God of abundance, it's one thing to think about material needs and, and those kinds of resources, but does God have enough abundance to help us, be gracious and uh, hopeful towards others who might be on the other side of that fence, the, the guards or the administrators, or, you know, is there enough abundance to offer, you know, some kind of openness towards them to be more than one dimensional? It seems like 
I think that God of abundance you mentioned really changes the way we view a lot of things. Um, I remember growing up as a young girl, I, w- I was probably like five, six years old. And I remember thinking being an adult is going to be so boring. It's going to be so boring because by the time you're old and an adult, you're going to know everything. And every day is going to be the same thing. Every day is just going to be the same thing day after day after day, because you, you, you know it all when you're an adult. <laughs> I remember thinking like I was going to be so bored. Like, how can you just, how can you not have mastered the skill of life? Right? Like as a five-year-old, I'm thinking these things. Um, yeah, that was incorrect. Life is never boring. There's never one day that's like another day. <laughs> but that was five-year-old Sarah thinking about the boringness of life as an adult. <laughs> Please show me these adults who have mastered life. Right? Would, uh, yeah, even the, ones who, even the ones who thinks, think it might be boring, I don't think they're, <laughs> they probably haven't mastered it. No. Nope. It's so funny when you're talking about that. That's like well, the first thought that came into my mind was like, you know, that's kind of how I, when I hear people talk about what they think heaven is going to be like, and I'm like, that sounds so boring. Like same thing every day. That's kind of interesting. I've never thought about that before. That's like a good metaphor. Like maybe I'm thinking of it like a child and and we're we're thinking it like a child and maybe it's so much richer richer and deeper than I'm thinking. I hope so. (laughs) It better be. That, which reminds me, I started watching The Good Place yesterday. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I I oh, I just, we watched the first episode yesterday, so. Is it a, a, a legal show? No. <laughs> well, it, I, in some sense, maybe. Uh, it's, actually, it's it's about, uh, Ted Danson is uh, like a, Michael. Like a, is he, is he, a, I don't know if he's really a demon, but he actually, he works for hell. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're good. Go. Spoiler alerts, buddy. Isn't that, oh, wait, that's wrong. He's an angel. <laughs> yeah, he's Michael, and he just designed the perfect community for people who's... in their afterlife to. Okay, so the demons are, who's, he's on. I don't know yet. I've only seen one episode. Don't tell oh. me. <laughs> okay. Anyway, but it's, it's, it's actually after watching the whole ep- whole series, I thought I need to turn this into a f- uh, philosophy curriculum that picks up on Plato, Aristotle, Kierkegaard, yeah. uh, Dostoevsky, um, all these really great existential philosophers and ways. What's the balance of, of good deeds versus bad deeds? Right. Uh, and what, what's the consequence or the outcome? Where do you watch this show? I think it's I've... on it's on Hulu and Peacock. OK, I have Hulu. So. Yeah, there you go. You, I think you'll find it there. Right? Maybe after The Bachelor tonight. Or the there Bachelor you go. I'll see if it's I have got, time to fit it's in. Got the, the Kirsten Bell show. I, I thought the well, good. But it presents it in a very this. fun way, though. Okay. I thought yeah. the good place is going to be this kind of, uh, I don't know, narrow-minded civil religion, kind of American religious kind of thing, you know, and and so I didn't want to watch it. And I don't think I watched it for like, it was on for three or four years before I ever saw an episode. And then I was like, oh my goodness, that was really good. Yeah. The next one, I went, oh, this is fantastic. And then they start quoting these philosophers and went, 
this is a show about philosophy. Hmm. Um, and more than the whole afterlife context where it takes place, it's really about what, how do we philosophically make sense of our existence? In, uh, in the first episode, uh, so the, it kicks off, I won't give too much away, but Kristen Bell basically has just died and they're welcoming her to the good place. And she asks Ted Danson, the Ted Danson character, she's like, so wait, who was right? You know, who, what, basically what religion down there on earth was right? And he's like, well, you know, Buddhists got it about 5% right. Christianity got it about 5% right. Hinduism got about 5% right. Not, you know, and he lists all those and he goes, but you know, uh, this guy named Danny Letterman, <laughs> he actually got it 92% right one night when he got high <laughs> back in 1983. Here's a picture of him over here. He's the closest anyone's ever gotten. Yeah, that Mental was good. Note. Mental note. So eventually, <laughs> eventually in the series, you'll, you will meet a guy named Sean. And Sean is played by Mark Evan Jackson. And when he's one of these character actors, he's on commercials. And when he shows up, he, he'll be a familiar face. Don't give it away, Craig. No more spoiler you, alerts. You just gotta, you gotta watch Sean. Okay, I'll watch Sean. Sean is awesome. Yeah, okay. Uh, I don't know, we, I'm sorry we wandered off into that, but. Uh, ah. <laughs> no, it sounds like a great, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna check it out. No. Anything can happen when we're when we're talking. But, you know that 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 you know that kind of leads in maybe to kind of move things towards a, a wrap up. What you know the the five questions, Cody. Oh, and we asked these of Sarah a couple of years ago. We did. Let's so, see how they've changed. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> mm. Actually, before I ask those, where's my pills? Where are my pills? <laughs> Anxiety <laughs> pills. No, they're not that hard. We're not. Uh, we're not, um, what was her name? Uh, we're not going to grill you like the 60 minutes later, you know, the scare you away. I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Leslie Stahl. Leslie Stahl. Yeah. Well, she didn't ask hard questions. I know. That's my joke. It's like, come on now. Or, you know, not questions you shouldn't expect. As right. The, Right, you're the, the president. Of a, you should be able yeah. to handle the tough questions. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, I did want to ask. I think last time I asked you, uh, were there other locations around the country that were doing something similar that came to ask you for any insider? Has that changed much at all? Are there more places like Casa de Paz all over the country or... There aren't too many more new ones, um, okay. but the ones that are around there are about 15 or 16 of us. And we are still in contact, still sharing best practices um, and stronger than ever. And actually the Casa on Wheels idea, I stole that from another detention center up in Washington and they do the same thing. They have an RV that's parked outside. So when we had this idea to do it here at, at, in Colorado, I reached out to my friend in Washington and I said, hey, how, how do y'all do this? You know, and she's like, oh yeah, let's set up a call. And we, we chatted and she shared her ex her expertise. And so I'm very grateful for that community. That's awesome. Very cool. All right, the five questions. They are, uh, what are you drinking? So what is your go-to drink? What's your like, always in your hand, ready to or, go? Or you wish was or, always in your hand at or, the end. Yeah, or you wish. Yeah, <laughs> or you wish you're like, okay, if I could just get to that drink tonight. 
Well, in the daytime, I'm doing a lot of drinking of this tea called lemon loaf tea from Tazo. It's really, really good. It tastes like lemon cake, Ooh. sort of. Like, I mean, like if a lemon cake was at a hundred, this is at like a a ten. <laughs> but you know, it's like better than a zero. But, Box of yeah. a lemon cake. It's so, so much lemon cakeier than water. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then in the evening time, Bailey's has this apple pie flavor that Ooh. I put it over some ice and I whew, talk about like we say Gabby is close to God, but like Bailey's with apple pie flavor over ice is also very close oh, to God. what I think is God. <laughs> Wow, that reminds nice. me. I gotta, I gotta get brewing again. I used to brew an apple cider called uh, apple pie. Oh, yes, love I've had it. that. Mm, so good. Yes. Okay. What are you? We kind of just talked about this a little bit. We already dropped a few hints, but what are you watching? Like, what's your? What show is your binge-worthy show? We know The Bachelorette. Other shows. I got other ones that you're streaming on. You know, whatever Hulu, Netflix, or even like a YouTube channel that you appreciate or anything like that. I have been watching um, Emily in Paris, which is this cute little like sitcom sort of rom-com, a 20 something year old who gets a job in Paris and relocates. And I have family that live in Paris. So I've always loved that city. I've been there multiple times. So, you know, it's kind of just a cute show to just sort of unwind at the end of the day. And then on YouTube, I've started following a dermatologist. Her name is Dr. Dre. Um, as a teenager and adult, I've always struggled with acne and I've been doing skincare wrong this whole time and oh, wow. spending hundreds of dollars trying to clear up my skin. And Dr. Dre is a dermatologist who does a new video every day and I follow her and I, I'm spending less money and my skin looks better. So thank you, Dr. Dre. Awesome, <laughs> cool. All right, what are you listening to? So an album that's on heavy rotation, a new album, a podcast that you highly recommend, anything like that? I love listening to salsa music or to any kind of Latin music these days. I, uh, I've been finding that dancing is a way that I'm getting a lot of my trauma out of my body right now because we're all living through a very difficult time. And just by literally like wiggling my body and shaking and dancing is, um, is very therapeutic for me and fun. So in the morning I blast music, in the evening I blast music and I literally just dance. Um, so I listen to a lot of salsa. Um, one of my new favorite bands, it's a local band here in Denver is called uh, Don Chicharron, and they do kind of like funky um, uh, Latin music, um, and I just love listening to them too. Awesome, very cool. What are you reading? So it could be a book, of course, or uh, some an essayist or articles or newspaper journal that you like, websites, blogs. The book that I'm reading right now is a story about Sophie Scholl, who is my hero. Sophie Scholl was a war resistor in Munich, Germany, when Hitler was coming to power. And she was a, a student at the University of Munich and actually was spreading pamphlets, uh, raising awareness of the danger of Hitler. And she knew what she was doing was dangerous and it could end up costing her her life. And she oh, did wow. it anyway. 
Um, and there's actually a good movie on YouTube that you can stream and watch about Sophie Scholl, but I, I've watched it multiple times. I visited her um, grave site and where she was arrested and killed in Munich when my parents used to live there. So she's my all-time hero. Wow. And, um, and now I'm reading a book which goes into a lot more detail about her life and I'm just always blown away, always blown oh, away. That's her. cool, yeah, that, wow. That uh, learning about pre-fascist cultures or cultures where fascism is emerging yeah seems like an appropriate topic um, um yeah what do you mean what do you mean craig what? oh what do i We're... mean do... spoiler alert <laughs> well here's his new shirt here's my new shirt i love yeah. it the gospel is anti-fascist yeah. absolutely where did you get that there's a wonderful church in portland called uh, clackamas united church of christ Okay. And they have, uh, they, they sell t-shirts, mugs, and caps. Um, they Will you have... send me a link? Sure, yeah. I want to buy yeah, one of those shirts. So it's, a, oh, it's on my Instagram. Oh, on Instagram. I'll look at that. So I think I put the, the address on there. Cool. But uh, they also have Black Lives Matter. They have another t-shirt that says, I'm with Fauci. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, I love so. it. So here's my shirt of one of my heroes, Woody Guthrie. And his song, uh, let's see if you can see the title there. Oh, wow. And Craig sent me a link to a, somebody, did they remake that song? Is that is it his song and they remade it, Craig? Oh, it was, uh, no, they didn't remake it, but they kept the, the attitude. It was uh, right. basically an Antifa type of song, so. I'm the only one in this group that doesn't have a shirt that says fascism on it. Or, <laughs> or actually is opposed to fascism no <laughs> I, mean, no I mean our shirts say that we're our shirts say anti-fascism oh well yes i mean of course yeah thank you for clarifying yeah. <laughs> it's not like we had pro-fascists oh yeah 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 let's edit it oh crap we're not editing this never mind nope. Nope. <laughs> you need a shirt that's fine i do need a shirt <laughs> <laughs> well okay you know, you're putting it into action, so that's I think that's probably that's got I, that counts for something. I think fair enough. <clears throat> All right, and then the last question: If Craig and I showed up uh, on your doorstep, where would you take us to eat? Oh, my favorite Thai restaurant. Ooh. It's called Ung's Cafe here in Denver, and the chef is a refugee from Bhutan. And he fled Bhutan and relocated to China where he studied under a five-star Thai chef for five years. And then he moved to the United States through the refugee program. And he is the best chef for Thai food that I've ever eaten. And um, they closed down for a while during COVID, um, but they've reopened now just for takeout. And I just went there a few days ago. So I would take you, I actually have leftovers still in my fridge, but don't worry, I won't make you eat the leftovers. <laughs> I would actually take you to the restaurant. We would get fresh food. But awesome. oh my gosh, their pad thai, their Penang curry, their wontons, they have this papaya salad, they have mango sticky rice. Oh great, now I'm hungry. Oh, do, do they have, I know, you're making me hungry. Do they have Thai catfish? 
I don't know because I'm allergic to fish. And if oh, okay. I even was sitting at the same table, it potentially could kill me. So because uh, I, 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 I made Thai catfish a couple of weeks ago and loved it, but I'd like to have it from somebody who really knows what they're doing. <laughs> I'll look at the I'll look at the menu online and I'll let you know. Here we go. <laughs> uh, awesome. Those are the five. That's it. And you, didn't, you, you didn't you even passed. you didn't even get up and walk away. Awesome. <laughs> Well, you got to have anywhere to go. I'm at my house. Where am I supposed to go? <laughs> I know that's true. I'm going to go stand over in the corner. <laughs> I always have so much fun with y'all. Thank you for just yeah. you're, you're fun to talk to because uh, you bring your energy. It's it's like uh, it's awesome. Yep. Appreciate it. Thank you. And so uh, make sure to give us any kind of links, send them to us. We'll put it in the in the notes when we put this up. But I uh, want to make sure we can drive people to toward being aware about Casa de Paz, uh, yeah. about the things you post and how you keep people updated on social media, um, links to how things are going at the film festivals and where to get the book and all that kind of stuff, just to keep people informed about about the just the exciting stuff that you're you're involved with. Um, Absolutely, I will. And, send and, and uh, even if people aren't in the area, be I'd like I'd like them to know also about how volleyball fits into this. Yeah. You know, so mm -hmm. I think that's really uh, something that it's not just about doing the work, doing the work, doing the work. There's ways to engage the community, have fun, and support the work at the same time. Yeah, so. you have to. I actually I can't. Um, when I just posted something on one of my Instagram stories about part of the work is actually resting like that is part of it is having fun yeah. that's part of it is keeping ourselves healthy and so playing volleyball you know it's a fun way but it's also connected somehow but yeah it is it is yep. part of the work that you mentioned our our, our guest last week uh is is um involved with some local social justice issues in the pacific northwest and and just this last week, they're they're doing um, some some running events, and she's she her background is track track and field. Love it. So the stuff that flows really naturally out of you to support and create ways to, for the community to get engaged is really great stuff. Great ideas. Love it. So, what's the name of the book, by the way? My book. Your yeah. book. Sophie's book. Oh, my book is called <laughs> "The House That Love Built." The house that love built. Awesome. Okay, we'll link to that for sure. So. Yep. Thank you. All right. Cool. Speaking of, I'm actually every Tuesday at 11, um, which is now it's 11:24 in Colorado. But every Tuesday at 11, I go on Facebook Live and I do a reading. Oh really? But I, oh. But I knew that it would overlap, but I was like, no, 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 I don't care. I want to hang out with these guys. So I'm actually Aww. right now. I'm just gonna click off of this Zoom and I'm gonna go to our Facebook Live and I'm gonna read Chapter One from the book. We we did the introduction last week and now I'm gonna re be reading Chapter One. So that is awesome. To, yeah, every week we just I read one little section of the book. That is cool. Absolutely. Yeah, so time. We'll link to that too. So yeah. every every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Oh, and you preempted that for us. I feel so honored. <laughs> any any Tuesday y'all want to hang out, I'm there. <laughs> that sounds good. Awesome. All right, bye guys. Well, thanks for being thank with you. us, Sarah. You're welcome. Take See care. you later. Stay warm. Bye -bye. Okay, thank you. Bye. Well, that was a fun interview. Yeah. She yep. always, always fun with Sarah. So. Yeah, she's great. So we love Sarah. We love Sarah. Good job, Sarah. All right. So we got to figure out, uh, you know, we, we can't tell you who we're going to be talking to next. Uh, we might be talking to each other in a couple of weeks. <clears throat>
So um, maybe. So if you're listening to this podcast and you wonder, gee, what do Cody and Craig think about the Advent season? Might not be a bad thing for us to be talking about, uh, be thinking about. If you've got any ideas that we should consider for a COVID Advent, when waiting is all we've been doing for the last seven or eight months. Uh, <laughs> right. Might be an interesting time More. about waiting. Hurry up and wait. Hurry up and wait. So man actually uh probably by next week uh we might know who won the world series that's true so we can talk about that hmm. what else is happening next tuesday huh anything else happening? Uh, next tuesday? god know. nothing I, nothing work potentially world you know, really nothing's happening next tuesday that hasn't been nothing. going on already that's <laughs> true at least in most places right good point what's going to be different is what happens on 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 wednesday right we will be when we're talking we might be next tuesday when we talk you and i might need to dip into sarah's anxiety pills <laughs> before we start talking not this early in the day i'm not going to be anxious this early in the day. just so everybody knows dates in case you're wondering why we're talking about this today's date is october 27th next tuesday's date is october november november 3rd 37. <laughs> yeah, uh, there you go. Let's drag out October. Yeah, yeah November 3rd. So election day. Uh, election day. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, so if we don't find somebody, I, you know, would you, would it be okay if I maybe try to find somebody who could join us that day just to talk a little political stuff, maybe? I think talking political stuff would be fun. Okay. I'll see what I can do. Can scrounge yeah. up. All right. Um, and uh, hopefully, People who are listening in enjoy our non-formal format. Yeah, um, our rough edit. Yeah, and uh, it's fun because I think we're, I, I think I, at least I enjoy our conversations more than like a formal interview, so. Yeah, yeah. they are fun. A little more, uh, well, we still get some good stuff, get the good info, still have a little fun. We might just out of nowhere start talking about uh, the good place or something like that. Or 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 uh, Gabby, or yeah, or Gabby. Oh. That was cool, but those led to some great stories, so that's good. Yeah, awesome. All right, well, that's that's it for today, um, and I think I'll turn off the recording. Unless you have anything else you want to say. Uh, hmm. <laughs> no final thought. My, my, no, not really. You know, All Saints, All Saints Sunday is coming up, and uh, we're going to be celebrating that. And it's going to be weird online, and I don't know. It's going to be. Yeah, there's a lot of things that they'll be interesting to dig into. Um, yep. But we're going to kind of miss out on some of the All All Saints All Souls uh, yep. timing here. So. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Ah. Well, stop the recording now. One of the things we've tried to do in the past is refrain from editing. And at this time of year, my office is on the back porch, so frequently you might be able to hear finches, sparrows, doves, as well as cars and lawnmowers. All the talking, interviews, and conversations are rough cut, mainly because we never wanted to take the time to get overly precise and picky. Rather, we have great ideas, and we just simply want to present them. Start following, commenting, and sending us ideas on the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast Facebook page, 
Also, you can search for the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast by going to themissionplace.org. Go to the Media tab, and you can find all of the episodes of the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. As we're closing out, I want to give a big shout-out to At the Speed of Darkness for the music intro and outro. You can follow At the Speed of Darkness and support his music at Bandcamp. 